Hi everyone, Robbie here. I'm pleased to announce my ninth novel, What Dwells Beneath the Waves, is now available for pre-order. Here is a short description. Deep below the water, something waits. Journalist Moira Bell is in the Florida Keys to cover climate change, but her investigation soon reveals a series of unreported disappearances on Blackwell Key. Disappearance is noteworthy only because of the missing people always come back. Come back as something else. Moira ties disappearances to Butch Blackwell, chief of police and the direct descendant of the original settler Blackwell Key. He's hiding something on his private island just offshore. With a massive hurricane approaching, Moira has little time. When Moira sneaks her way onto his island, she finds a dark obelisk, a bloody ritual, worship of something beyond our world, something long asleep. Moira must stop Butch before he awakens something that will undo the earth. What Dwells Beneath the Waves is available for pre-order now on Amazon in both print and Kindle. Links can be found in the description. Links can be found in the show notes at my website or by searching my name on Amazon itself. It's Carl Hyacin meets H.P. Lovecraft. I'd love for you to check it out. Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic, despite the sounds of kitten murder happening behind me. Uh, <laughs> don't worry, guys. They're fine. They're, 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 they're totally cool. They're not killing each other, as far as I can tell, anyway. And they're just crying. They're, just, they're kittens. They make noises about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, hi. Hello. We are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show. For only $2 a month, gain access to all of our bonus content. We appreciate everyone who supports us there. Um, one word before we begin this week's episode, I've gotten some complaints about Spotify. And for some reason, people, certain people's Spotify is not having all our episodes that are on our feed. I don't know why. My Spotify has every episode on our feed, uh, which is at 300 episodes. Uh, this is just a reminder. Don't use Spotify for podcasts because it's terrible. Use a I real was, app. I'm gonna say, like like, use a podcast app, guys. Use uh, over Overcast, Pocket Casts. Both are very good, and both work on either Android. One of those will work on Android or your iOS. And they're better than Apple Podcasts. They're better than Spotify. Use a dedicated podcast app, and you'll get guaranteed get every episode on our feed and have more versatility about how you listen to podcasts. And you don't have to listen. The Spotify ads. You only have to listen to what ads we include, which are, except for ones for my books, none. <laughs> That's okay. I, so I don't know why. I, I I do. If you please, do not send me emails asking about why Spotify doesn't work. I don't work for Spotify. I don't know why. I could. I could. I send them. I'm sure a, Spotify doesn't know either and doesn't care. I send them a feed, a feed address, and as long as the feed ad- feed is working. That's all I can do. And the feed's working just fine. Every other place that you can get our podcast, it's working fine. Something's wrong there. I don't know what's wrong with it. I can't help you. Sorry. I'm very sorry. There's a million different places to listen to our podcasts. Try a different one. That's all I can say. This week's episode is Simpsons Up. Episode JBF of 7. Originally aired February 18th, 2007. Written by Matt Warburton. Directed by Chuck Sheets. 
received a 5.2 rating with 8.7 million viewers. The Couch Gag, The Simpsons are cockroaches. Still gross. Yeah, a little on the weird side. They've already done this one before this season. It's gross then. It was gross now. I don't like it. Don't make people bugs. This is not Kafka. Don't like it. And don't just, you know, just don't don't remind people that bugs exist. Bugs are a very important part of the ecosystem, but I, I don't like reminding that they exist. I don't like looking at them when they're big and they're people. Ugh, that's, this is not, I don't like this. I don't like this. This episode guest stars Eric Idle as Declan Desmond. Again, re- return of Declan Desmond. Uh, Eric Idle does a fine enough job with what he has given. I mean, he's he's a British man who is a documentary filmmaker. That's just, that's like barely stretching his ability yeah there's not really much to declan he is sort of an opportunist sort of a sensationalist kind of i don't know like it he doesn't really have much of a character uh this is the most we've seen of him as a character i would say and even then it's still not very much uh this episode is better than last week's episode thankfully um that's not saying much last week's episode was the wor- one of the worst ever <laughs> Um, I mean, it was close. It was, what, second or third from the bottom? Third from the bottom. Uh, this episode has potential. I think this idea has potential, but ultimately it kind of fails. Um, largely because of how they write Homer. I think that's ultimately it. Well, yeah, because this episode is a basically a shot-for-shot shot homage to the 7-Up series. 7-Up, 14-Up, uh, 21-Up, all that series. For those of you who aren't familiar, um, it is a British documentary series uh, where somebody akin to De- Declan Desmond visited with these uh, British children uh, at every seven years, starting at age 7, 14, 21, all on up. Through, I'm still is. I believe the one in their 60s just came out recently. Maybe it was their 70s. Um, and just follow them and to see how their lives have changed throughout the, the change in uh, society, British society. And so this is basically a straight up spoof of that until the end when Declan gets involved. And I feel like if they had just kept with the premise throughout the whole thing, uh, it would have worked a lot better. Uh, maybe we could have a little view of the Simpsons in their future uh, towards the end. I think that would have been more interesting than, oh, Declan has to get involved because he feels bad about Homer, despite the fact that Homer did something horrible to impress him. Like that's That's my synopsis of this particular episode. Uh, 63 up was the most recent one 2019 um the director um michael apted uh he, he passed uh this year so there will no there will be no more of them unless someone else takes up the reins um which is possible um depends on if they want to or not we still have you know five years before you have to make the next one uh of course if, who knows we'll see um but it, it it's weird because it, it starts pre it starts, this episode starts with Declan Desmond basically introducing us to growing up Springfield and to this idea of, oh, we're ca- we captured all these characters throughout the years. Um, you know, it's not starting now. It is, oh, we caught all the adults of Springfield now. We caught them all when they were eight years old. Uh, and th- this makes a slight difference that this is every eight years, not every seven years. Right. So it's, you know, a slight difference, not much of one. Um, but it it starts off with us kind of doing a, an overview of the premise. Um, and it just jumps right in, I, which I think is a good choice. I like the idea of it starting in media as 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 Declan Desmond is kind of introdu- introducing us to this documentary. Um, and that is how we start to see 
all the characters and how we jump into the plot of this episode. Uh, Declan gives us a little bit of an introduction uh, uh, to everyone. These children ran the gamut of society. Rich and poor, black and white, he'll grow into his looks, and forever hideous. My dad was a circus freak, but my mom don't remember which one. I like to think it was a little bit of all of them. Every eight years, I revisited those children, creating a cinematic chronicle of their lives. Join me, won't you, to see dreams dissolve like a muffin in the rain in Growing Up Springfield. What does the future hold for these children? Will he grow up to work in a robot factory? Will she be the receptionist for a robot businessman? And will he be a crusader for robosexual rights? I say yes, no, and yes. Whee! Interesting choice of future activism. I. This is a question I have, man. I, and one of the things I honestly don't know what they intend with this episode is... Are we supposed to read Declan as, like, this monstrous, like, exploitative idiot or something? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I believe that's what they're going for is, oh, Declan is every documentary film creator ever who gets too involved with his subjects and is pronouncing things from on high uh, about people that he doesn't actually know kind of thing. But it really falls flat, especially in later on in the episode. Like, yeah, I mean, he's just trying to figure things out. It's, yeah, and I think it, that is a, a one of the problems is that you don't really you, you you don't have like an objective like they don't ever have this idea of like the oh this documentary is objective it is incredibly subjective and Declan is doing stuff out of whim and you're like well if you just set him as a guy trying to be as objective as possible obviously you can't be a hundred percent objective but you can be as objective as you can. It grounds Homer's struggles better. It makes us more understand the stuff Homer's going through. There's no weird lens we have to view this through and try and figure out what's real and what's not. I don't understand the whole, like, and they treat him as, like, a villain later on. Marge does in particular. And it muddies everything up. You're like, what? Why are they angry at Declan? Did like did they not choose? Do they think that the Seven Up series is exploitative? Like they do they think that's not valuable? Seven Up series is like universally respected. It's really weird that they choose to make this like they bring back Declan to have him like because they treated Declan before as like a exploitative filmmaker, and I guess they're just trying to stay coherent with that. I don't know. Uh, does it really matter? Not really. No, because that's surprisingly not germane to the plot. No, it doesn't. Despite the fact that this whole episode is centered around this documentary series, it honestly doesn't end up mattering at all. Um, so we we see a, a, a kind of an overview of all these different characters, all Lenny, Carl, Marge, Smithers, Moe, Barney, Homer, various times. Um, we get a little insight into Homer's wishes as a little kid. When I grow up, I'll have a giant mansion, my own pinball machine with infinity quarters, eight pairs of peanut butter and jelly pajamas. How many wishes do I have left? None. You never had any. I'm not a genie. Homer, your dreams will take a lot of money. Don't look at me. Look at the camera. Got it. I said look at the camera. No problem. Now you're looking at a mud puddle. That's your hand. That's the production accountant. That's your other hand. Do you even know what a camera is? Well, of course. No. I'm going to put this squeaky toy on top of the camera. 
Squeaky! 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 Unsurprisingly, by age 24, Homer's dreams of wealth had not come to fruition. Manure for sale! Get your manure! Lobbyist in town! Hey, the manure dealership is just one of the things I got going. Yeah, this is... It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. And I think Homer is a problem, Matt. Homer's a problem. Well, yeah, because Homer's a problem because when you try and focus, if he is a side character acting like this, I don't want to say it's fine, but it's it's better than it could be. When you focus on someone acting this, I don't want to say insane because that's not a good verbiage for it, but acting this wacky, it can't hold up. You have to show him at least trying. I mean, it's a cartoonish version of insanity. I think that's the thing. It's like, oh, he's crazy. Like, it's it's not like portraying any sort of real mental illness. It's just it's just nonsense cartoonish stuff. You know, it's like, oh, he sells manure. And it's like, like, think back to a very similar. And this is like, you could easily be upset by this because it is basically rewriting, you know, the way we was. And I married Marge to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But. I don't really mo- – at this point, I don't care. You know, like, obviously those episodes are great, and they are for, for forever etched in our memories as, like, the the foundation of The Simpsons of Homer and Marge's relationship and all that. So, like, they're not in danger of being overwritten because they can't. The Simpsons are literally capable of writing episodes or origin story episodes that are better than those. And until they do, those those are going to be the de facto origin story episodes of The Simpsons of Homer and Marge's relationship primarily. This episode is kind of like, oh, it's a different take on it. That's fine. If it was doing something interesting, I wouldn't care as – I wouldn't care at all. I would be like, that's fine. At least it's something new and, and, and like – it could take a, give me a new perspective on the characters. But when you think back to it's I married Marge, where we see Homer try all those different jobs, you know, he's a knife salesman and, or like work, working with attack dogs or whatever. Like think about how Homer, how Homer behaved when he was doing that. He was doing those jobs out of desperation because they needed money uh, because Marge was pregnant. Uh, he, you know, there's this fear like, oh, I need to get a real job. I need to pay for my, my, my help pay for our house and et cetera, et cetera. This is like, oh, there's no, there's, and it's a criticism we levy a lot or a, about the show with this in this time period. It's like, it doesn't feel realistic. It doesn't feel grounded. And it's just like, oh, Homer is selling manure. Homer has a job asking questions on infomercials. I want to be clear on that. That is an actor. <laughs> That's an acting job. <laughs> They don't. I don't know why they think that is like they treat it like that is the job. That's the only acting job in Springfield. It's asking questions and infomercials. Okay, it doesn't matter. And then also, like he's also trying to get his band up off the ground, and where Homer is every part. Okay, like there's. It's just so much is happening, and it it is trying to build this image of like the and like the idea of this episode is not bad. The idea of the premise of Homer, this episode is an, by using this documentary, it is a way to focus on what Homer wanted out of his life is different than what came out of his life. What he is now. Now he's a man, a married man, three children, a a job in a nuclear plant, kind of boring, so quote unquote, 
at least by the metrics that Homer himself would measure it by. And he's dissatisfied by that. Looking back, he realizes, oh, my life, I'm kind of settled in this life that I didn't ever really want. I just kind of fell into it. That's an interesting conundrum that everyone faces. Not every, most people, I'm not going to say no one. Some people do just achieve their dreams and are fine. (laughs) That's not everyone. Must be nice. Must be nice. But a lot, most people settle into a life that they don't necessarily choose actively everything they want to do. They just, they kind of like, oh, I I end up in a relationship and I end up a long-term relationship. I end up married and then, oh, I end up having kids or I end up not having kids. And I move here and I move there. I never thought I'd move here, but instead I wanted to live here and I never, I don't because of 10,000 reasons. That's really um, relatable. Everyone has those and they have, you have a dream when you're a child and you have a dream when you're in high school and you have a dream and you try and achieve it the best way you can. And sometimes it's out of your grasp. Sometimes for things in your control, sometimes for things out of your control. And all those things, incredibly relatable questions, incredibly relatable problems that a lot of people face. And they're trying to get us to realize that's what Homer is doing in this. Where Homer is like, oh, he is having this issue where he he realizes, oh, I wanted to be rich. Like it's that that clip I played where he's like, I want to be rich. I want to have pinball machines, et cetera, et cetera. You're like, okay. It's really weird to me that that's the thing they choose young Homer to have. He wants to be wealthy. It's never really a thing that Homer is focused on before. No, Homer is always focused on doing whatever he wants. And I can see how wealth would be a part of that. But it does seem odd that that's all Homer wants. He could say freedom to do whatever he wants, but he just says money, which, again, Homer's kind of dumb. So maybe that's he didn't realize he's making that connection. But, yeah, that's basically what he's asking for. Absolute freedom. And you're like, well... They don't. They don't present this clearly. One, uh, and then of course, hey Matt, stop me if you've heard this one before. Uh-oh. Uh oh. We are going to have a cliffhanger at the end of the first act that is ultimately empty and only detracts from the plot. Is this a children's novel? Uh, no. I mean, that's Matt. Don't don't insult children's novels like that. I mean, not all of them, but I've noticed quite a few children's novels will end every chapter on, and something spooky is about to happen, and immediately start the next chapter with, oh, just kidding. It wasn't that spooky. I mean, that's for, like, toddlers, man. These, these are baby books. I'm not, I'm not children's novels like for kids for, like, 10. I'm ta- that's, that's like, that's, are we talking middle grade, or are we talking, like, three-year-olds? Uh, we're talking middle grade. We're talking, like, you know, uh, five to ten-year-olds. A lot of books that are designed for them have stuff like that happening. How many are you looking? Are you like searching out these books, man? Are you having kids? I thought you were. No, I'm listening to people in podcasts read bad <laughs> ones of them. And what? What are you? <laughs> is this what you do with your time? I mean, it just happened. Uh, no, one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, System Mastery, has a series where they, they read old Star Wars novels and comment on them. And I don't know if you know this, Robbie, but they're they're generally very bad. Uh, and there was a one for younger children called the galaxy of fear series uh and every chapter ended on and there was a spooky monster just kidding it was just another random alien i don't so, think you, you know. can equate the galaxy of fear books with all of middle grade fiction Matt. i don't think that's fair. i'm pretty sure i can you're a nutcase you are an absolute lunatic you're a maniac how are you how does your wife put up with you that's a great question anyway all I know is that she does and i'm thankful for it <laughs> i guess that's true um we we end the first act with Homer's present. We we cut to there's a also Matt I, I even mentioned it. There's a long section here focused on Wiggum. 
Like how he oh, became yeah. police chief. I, I guess they just wanted to fill out and say, oh, no, we're, we're watching lots of people. Not just Homer. Unfortunately, they're all... I don't know if any of them are, like, winners. Like, this is... Wickham's like a hall monitor, he be, and then he becomes the chief because he massages the mayor with a gun? What is going on? What is this? Uh... Whatever. It's it's filler. There's a lot of filler in this episode as well, which we will focus on heavily when we get to the final scene. Um, Homer's present. Where Homer is today is the last thing the the first act focuses on. Homer is so amazing. He can chug a beer and pitch woo at the same time. The light from your eyes could guide a ship at sea. Huh? Are you two considering children? Kids, no way. You'll never see a couple of rugrats tying me down. You better not put this shot after the one where I said I won't have kids. That would be a devastating edit. Homer, your life is nothing to be ashamed of. You've got a loving family and a steady job at a nuclear power plant. You're not English breakfast, but you're not Lapsang Souchong either. <laughs> oh, yeah? Check with me in eight years, Doctor Who. I'll be kicking your ass with a solid gold boot. Hmm. What's changed for me since the last time I saw you? Only everything. I can't believe it. Homer Simpson, a bloody millionaire? Why do you sound so shocked? This is our fifth take. <sighs> I'm like lampshading Hollywood. Um, Homer's rich now, Matt. Homer is rich. Uh, that's that's where they go. Wait, 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 wait. I was gonna wait, wait, wait a minute. We go to commercial six minutes, 44 seconds. Okay. I'm just going to say, I feel like this episode is paced wrong for what they're trying to do. You know what? We'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. So uh, we come back from a commercial. Uh, Bart and Lisa are writing dolphins. Uh, Bart is abusing one. Uh, no surprise there. By clogging its blowhole. Isn't it funny that the dolphin and died? It's so hilarious. Animal cruelty is one of my favorite hilarious gags. Uh, I grew up in the 80s. Can you tell? Um, so, And we find out. Uh, in another interview segment, how Homer made his money. A spoiler alert, it's real stupid. You see, Declan, I made my millions with a simple invention. The condiment pen! Just click the buttons at the top and you can choose from ketchup, mustard, mayo, and relish. I got the idea from the regular pen. Can I use it on fish and chips? I don't know. You can put horseradish on your dead mother for all I care. The point is, I'm rich, rich, rich. Just look. My dog has his own jacuzzi. <laughs> he loves it. You win, Homer. I guess there's no way I can embarrass you any further. So, yes, uh, we find out that Homer made a bunch of money with an incredibly stupid invention, uh, which is seriously less good than uh his episode on the einstein when he was trying to be like einstein that was not, einstein. not uh, edison, man. edison come on edison, what are we sorry. doing einstein the other famous e-scientist <laughs> um so yeah uh and and that's we, we we go away from homer now uh because it's not worth that's not the focus of the episode what? we you go back like, to professor you don't, you don't like the condiment pen i want to talk about the condiment pen for a second man what you don't like the condiment pen I don't like the condiment thing. It's that's stupid because most of those condiments are terrible. I mean, relish and ketchup. Who wants those nasty things? Matt, you can put whatever you want in there. That's the whole point. 
Oh, okay. So it's just the fact that you could put, uh, you know, some kind of condom in a pen and have a whole bunch of them at once. That's the idea. Yeah. Man, it's amazing what you can earn millions of dollars with. Or can you? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, at this point, like I said, we move away from Homer because this episode's not about Homer. It's about everyone in Springfield. We go back to <sighs> Professor Frank, uh, who is, uh, it was a dork. Uh, they interview him in the, the current times, and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I've accomplished a lot, but I've never had a conversation with a woman. So he invents a time machine. Let's get the time machine from H.G. Wells, the time machine. He goes back in time uh, to when he was a dork, uh, where Fat Tony and uh, Legs and Louis uh, were the, the, the bullies. Uh, you know, Obviously, we see that uh, you know they become the mafia. So Frank goes back and talks to his young self and or attempts to, uh, but he gets run over, and eventually the time machine is stolen by Carl. Baby, young Carl. Young Carl. Eight, young Carl. Eight-year-old right. Carl steals the time machine. Uh-huh. And we never we never get any uh, closure on this. Hey, Matt, just Matt, something that happened in the hey, background. Hey, Matt, can I, can I interject just for a moment with a, I maybe suppose. A, a question or two? I mean, yeah, I guess. This is like a normal episode of The Simpsons, right? I mean, define normal. Like, it's not Charles Parr. Like, it's a, like we're supposed to believe this is like... Oh, no, no. It's a normal episode where time machines exist. Okay, that's all my. I'm just like, well, why, why, like this concept is. Have they watched the Seven Up series? Like that's what I mean. Like I like it is very down to earth. It's very grounded. Like oh, we're gonna check in with these people throughout their lives, see how it's changed. Do they go? Oh, that's boring. So let's have a time machine. I mean, the best I can think of is that they needed jokes for this episode uh, because it had none in the original plot. And this is what they came up with. And did you? I'll, I'll ask that age old question. Did you laugh? I, I, here, I'll explain. No, did you laugh? Absolutely not. Did, did you laugh at anything in this episode? Is there not even a chuckle? I don't. I don't think so. No. You didn't laugh when uh, Frank got ran over by a car. No, Robbie. Why would I think it's funny when a random person gets run over by a car? I mean, they got hurt, isn't it? It's fun. Or how about when uh, Homer is drowning his dog? Isn't that funny? Uh, yes, as we have specified, animal cruelty is always funny. hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> uh, yes. Uh, so after this, we get uh, a woman named Eleanor who becomes a doctor and a lawyer uh, and has to leave court. Uh, we see here at once she has graduated at the leave court to go, uh, you know, practice medicine, deliver a baby. Uh, and then we see her, you know, at the next eight years, uh, where, where I think she's supposed to be 32 or whatever, uh, where uh, she had to retire because of burnout. She got herself a cat and some wine. And then it turns out, oh, she's crazy cat lady. Uh, we find out her name is Eleanor and uh, she just overstressed herself in the first part of her life. Isn't that hilarious, Robbie? <sighs> no. <laughs> No, it's not. It's not. It's really Are you sure? not. It's really not funny. It's really upsetting. <laughs> it's so weird. It's really upsetting. Uh, watching a person <laughs> lose control of their life is all, uh, my honest answer, and it's really st- staggering that they. It's a laugh line. It's like a punchline, isn't it? Funny that this is. They like it's isn't it hilarious. This crazy. That's the crazy cat lady is uh, a, uh some lady who used to be a, both a doctor and a lawyer um and uh she burned out so she got a lot of cats like <laughs> oh robbie don't worry it's gonna get so much worse uh, yeah i know so moving on uh we get to then see as a kid 
uh, Marge was into taking pictures. She wanted to be a photographer. Uh, we then see her at 24. Uh, it's interesting. They don't go about a 16 uh, of stuff. They have to go for the eight-year-olds and go to the 24-year-olds. No, uh, she's but, in high school uh, in one of those. She's in high school. There's oh, she, is she? Okay. She's in high school. Uh, all right. Fair enough. Uh, so and then we see uh, her continue to be taking pictures, and then she you know, hooks up with Homer, and life, it just goes down uh, – not downstairs. Downhill. Life goes downhill for <laughs> life her. Goes, there. Her she, life goes downstairs. Her together. Life goes downstairs. And we can see her dreams ever slowly crumbling around her. At age 16, Marge was the star photographer for a school newspaper. But her interests soon expanded beyond shutterbuckery. The biggest change for me over the last eight years? That's got to be Homer. March, baby! I got a picture of you tattooed on my chest. <laughs> they had a sale on skulls. <sighs> At 24, Marge's photojournalistic dreams were, shall we say, underdeveloped? I need one wallet-sized photo for my captain's license. <sighs> Coming right up. Mind if I turn on a little music? It's so danceable. Oracle still loves disco music. <laughs> and the world welcomed Disco Stew. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I need a full-time job to support Homer so he has time to work on his rock music, his erotic etchings, his Play-Doh theater. <sighs> and yet, look how things turned out. This overnight affluence must have come as a tremendous shock. Oh, yes, sir. As shocks go, this one's a real zapparoo. Listen, something's been piquing my curiosity. Why is your medicine cabinet full of old man ointments? Oh, mm -hmm. well, yeah, the ointments, um... <gasps> what are you people doing in my summer home? Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> this is Eduardo, my pool boy. He thinks he's an angry rich man. I am an angry rich man. That's the pool chemicals talking. So, right here, we have the only really interesting plot line that this episode could have been about is Marge giving up her dreams for Homer. It is immediately thrown away. We never, ever see this again. It becomes completely about Homer from here on out. And we find out that, oh, this is all a ruse by Homer. The condiment pen did not earn him millions of dollars. Uh, what happened was, what had happened was, they broke into Mr. Burns' uh, summer home, winter home, whatever, and are pretending like Homer is rich. Why? No idea. Just the way it's working. That's, that's the way things are working out now. Uh, because we go to a commercial now, knowing, getting zero explanation for what has happened and having a lot of our time wasted with Professor Frank and the crazy cat lady. Oh, we come back from commercial 12 minutes and 36 seconds. Yeah, it's all a lie. Um, Homer is, it's all a lie. Homer is not rich and he, uh, and Declan, I would say Declan lays it all out for us, I guess. Homer J. Simpson, your fabulous millionaire lifestyle is all a lie. Oh, father, my pony buttercup can jump ever so high. Who boys, Mr. Burns? Please, Mr. Burns, pretend you work for me. 
If you can have the boy, just don't beat him. You can beat him. Just don't leave marks. Shut up, you waste of skin and fat. You've desecrated my every possession. So we get uh, a lot of time here at the beginning of this act where we see they lock Smithers and the grandfather clock and, and duct tape his mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently he's been in there for three days um, without food or water, which would uh, kill him. No. Uh, Robbie, this episode is clearly in cartoon logic territory. I, so I know, no, Matt. I know. He's fine. I know. Um, but then they we get a very long sequence of Smithers getting uh the him screaming while the grandfather clock rings, chimes. Like it just focuses on him, he's like dong dong, and he's just yelling in pain. Like, that just happens. Like why what is this? Why is this in this episode? Because then we they, they sit around chatting while Smithers goes, retrieves the, the hounds from a different house, and then they finally comes over and releases them. Like, this is so lame, guys. What is this? <sighs> Matt. I I got nothing. I... <laughs> it's so... What, like, why is this here? Incredibly stupid. <laughs> it's just minutes of time just wasted. Like, this episode has... You could do so much with it. You could... Like, you mentioned Marge, Matt. You mentioned Marge and what her... Like... That is the thing. Like this could be about Marge and Homer, both realizing that they they didn't have they don't have the life they 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 wanted, but they they have a life they like. Like that's ultimately where we're going with this. At least just with Homer, Marge doesn't matter because of course she doesn't. Uh, not in season eighteen. But you could spend this time going over. They could you air old footage. And have then have them have like introspective moments, have them in bed together, current day talking about it. But it's just all wacky. It's all nonsense. We get more footage here with Homer avoiding talking to Declan about why he lied, which is what a minute long chase sequence with a squeaky toy. Why? Why the squeaky toy? I don't get it. It's is because it he used it in the earlier clip, man. I, I know, but uh. that's why that you like. There's not a mystery. That's why they did it. It doesn't make it funny, but that is why it's a reason. It's uh. I'm not saying they have a good reason. They don't have a good reason for anything. So Homer doesn't want to talk to Declan and we get a long. I cannot emphasize enough long sequence where he's running away from Declan car chases, blah, blah, blah. Homer jumps out of the car at one point. It doesn't matter. Um, Finally, Declan gets to the goes. I don't know why he just doesn't go straight to their house, but he eventually does and is greeted by Marge, who is now angry at him at the door. What do you want? Marge, can you just let me in for a minute? We let you in 32 years ago, and it's brought us nothing but pain. Well, if you want, I can cut you out of the film. No, 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 no. Let's not get crazy. Then I just want to know why your husband did what he did. I'll tell you why. It's been another eight years, and what do I have? Same job, same house, same dirty joke book. <laughs> I just thought for once I could be the cool guy in your movie. But all I am is the guy who makes everyone else look good. Strong words from a dumpy man. And cut. Wait just a cotton-swabbing minute. A good man went to a lot of trouble just to impress you. And I went along with it because I love him to pieces. And you made him look like a fool. Well, I don't want you anywhere near my house. Now you can cut. What? what, what so this what, is where the episode's going to go from now on, huh? Uh, what is happening? They are mad at Declan 
because they made a stupid decision to try and impress him, even though it has no bearing on their lives whatsoever. They, it, again, this is, I mentioned this last week, but it just, this makes a lot of assumptions about things that the episode goes to no lengths to demonstrate. There are no scenes that set these things up. They are just not stated. They're not in, in not even, there's nothing, not even, this isn't even like in context. There's no context for any of this. They talk about, oh, we didn't, like, if there was a scene with Declan 32 years ago tricking them into being in this film. Or, and Homer is referencing, like, I just want to be one of the cool guys in your movie. What are you talking about, Homer? The, one of the yeah, cool, what cool guy? guys. What are you talking about? Who's a cool guy? What are you talking I have no idea what that means. Honestly, there's no references to cool guys. Like, we see Frank, who's a loser, who has a time machine. We see the crazy cat lady who's lost her control of her life. Wiggum is, I guess, the police chief because he massaged a mare with his gun, which is that is that's on film, by the way. We don't even there. We just gloss right over that. But like, yep. who else are we like, Mo? <laughs> like, what is? Yeah, it's what, just, are, what are we talking about? We're getting into what I, I really don't like about this episode. We're not all fully there yet because it's, it's basically the episode ends. This episode could have been two things. It could have been an intro. Uh, oh, yes, Springfield is part of this. And Homer realizes that his life is not what he thought it was going to be. And the this, 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 this Springfield up stuff kind of happens in the background every once in a while. And we focus on Homer. Or it could be the entirety of Springfield up. It's just one of those pastiche episodes that's basically, oh, this is this is seven up, whatever up the up series in the style of the Simpsons. And you focus on each character equally. And if there's a story in the background, you kind of have to piece it together because that's not the main focus. The the main focus of the episode is uh, doing this pastiche. Trying for some reason, they split the middle on this and the resulting episode makes no sense. And it's a complete waste of my time. They don't establish any of this stuff. That's you have to. I like it. This is again, not complicated. This is not tricky. They don't do it. So, and Marge is now mad at Declan. Like, why? My Marge. And also, is everyone 40 years old? Apparently, everyone is the exact same age. Everyone's the exact same age. But she says 32 years ago, which means they started when they were eight. So they're all 40. When, which is not, it doesn't matter. All this is made up anyway. So now we cut to Declan with Mo. But this is not footage anymore. Like, they've basically dropped any pretense of this being a documentary. Like, we continue to see documentary footage in the first act. We see it in the second act. There's no more of that until the very end of this episode. I don't, I don't understand it. But Declan says, I feel bad for Homer. He's, he's at Moe's talking to Moe. And Moe's like, I don't get it. Homer has a great life. He has a, a a beautiful wife and a great and kids and you know et cetera et cetera, and Declan has an idea about oh I know what to do now. What? Why does Declan feel sad for Homer after Mo tells him that Homer's life is great? Why does he like? Why do I care about Homer at this point? Homer's a whiny baby in this case. Matt, you there? Yeah, I just I don't know. I this episode frustrates me to no end because all they had to do was pretend like the up series happened in Springfield and that's it. And it would have been a cool experiment. We would have gotten to see some interesting backstory to characters. We don't see a whole lot of like professor Frank. Um, 
but no, they had to go with Homer being a whiny baby. Because every when Homer's not on screen, people should be asking, "Where's Homer?" It, it, it and it just and it's he's just insufferable. And you're like, he's like, oh wait, I'm so I don't like my life. I'm like, I mean, I would. It doesn't matter regardless of what his life is. You could empathize with theoretically empathize with him if his life was not what he wanted or not what he expected. Any of those, like you could empathize with him because again, relatable. But because he's just like ah, I, then he and he faked like the whole being rich thing. Like why, why, why is this so complicated? Why is this this so muddy? Don't know why. So Declan invites Homer over to his editing suite, where Declan shows Homer a supercut of just Homer of oh, not even just Homer of how everyone what everyone thinks about Homer over the years. If I could trade lives with anybody, I'd pick Homer. Have you been to Homer's house? It's got a backyard, a front yard. I, the place is like Yard City. I love his laugh. He picked the perfect time to lock in his mortgage. He's the kindest, sweetest, most generous man ever to drive through my living room. I'll pay for most of this. He may not be perfect, but he's my dad. Homer gave me a kidney. It wasn't his, I didn't need it, and it came postage too, but still a lovely gesture. I like when Daddy's out of work, because he can spend more time with me. At bedtime, he tucks me in tighter than anyone else could. And you know what? No monsters have gotten me yet. Whoa, I have a pretty good life after all. Homer, don't kill the foreign man! Relax, Marge. <laughs> I wasn't going to kill him. All those years I was dreaming of other things, I was actually doing what I really wanted. Hanging out with my family, drinking with my friends, making friends with my family, and hanging with my drinking. Marge, you're my real dream come true, and I get to live you every day. Oh, homie, you make each eight-year interval better than the last. Oh. Uh-huh. I again, I get what they're going for, but that's about it. They don't. Ex the execution is so poor that you don't feel anything. Like there's those clips of those clips of Bart and Lisa. Like oh, I let you know. Like the hard times that they've had with Homer being out of jobs, and Bart like, well, then he gets to play with me. And Lisa talking about there's no monsters. Like those are sweet. It's really sweet moments, and that data, that little moment there with Homer and Mars, where Homer's like, "I got to spend time with you." Like, those are the right beats to hit here at the end, but because they've done no proper setup, they can't. They fall flat. They don't work. What were you saying? I, I was basically going to say exactly what you said. It's just because they didn't spend the time setting this up correctly. Like they could have spent the time focusing on Homer and how his life has evolved. Like, uh, show him having some ambition and kind of sort of getting ahead. And then having kids and it all going downhill or just trying and always failing at something new. Like every time, like, oh, at 16, he's got this new plan to be rich. At 24, he's got a new different plan to be rich. At 32, he's got a new different plan to be rich and always failing. And when it gets to 40, Homer's like, oh, man, I just I, I can't seem to win at this and feeling down. And then Declan at the end goes, Homer, come here. I want to show you something. And he shows him this video of how everyone is jealous of him uh, because of his life, which 
on top of that, everything that these people say, oh, uh, Homer's life is great because of this, it's all stuff he lucked into. It's nothing he tried to do. It's all complete luck on his part that I'm just like, wow, people really admire you for how lucky you were. Great. But they could have at least tried a little harder to make it either more about Homer or less about Homer. But by halfway making it about Homer and everyone else, it just goes nowhere and does nothing. Uh, I want to thank you, Matt. Okay, I want to thank you. Because mm-hmm. I did not include the, the 90 seconds that end this episode. I did not pull that clip. Oh, thank God. No, not thank... No, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not, Here, I'm not God. I didn't... I, I God had nothing to do with it. It was just my decision <laughs> not to uh, deliver more pain. Sorry, sorry. Not thank God. Thank you, Robbie. Yes. Uh, I, but I do want to make that very clear to the people listening at home who have not watched this episode. This episode doesn't end with that sweet moment between Homer and March. This episode ends with 90 seconds of Homer mindlessly strumming on a guitar and singing a nonsense song. <laughs> with Declan uh, along with him. Called Satan, You're My Lady. Yeah, Declan kind of half singing along with him. 90 seconds, guys. 90 seconds. A minute and a half. And... When you look at how poorly developed the plot is in this episode, how half-assed it is, like, you could use that 90 seconds for anything in the middle of this episode. You could put it at the beginning and help uh, and, and get us get us to the plot faster. You put it in the middle and help develop the plot more, have more background scenes that show Homer being dissatisfied with his life at various points. Instead of just springing us on, like springing that on us, like basically almost to the end of the episode. Like again, we don't find out that Homer is lying about being rich until the third act. That should be the turn at the f- end of the first act is Homer's not actually rich. It's The episode should start with that information. Honestly, I feel like that whole thing about Homer pretending to be rich is just dumb and should be completely abandoned. <laughs> like, I guess if you have to have it, that's fine. But I mean, I, I think it works as it, it if you want it like, hey, one, it adds some levity to the episode as long as you add like good jokes. That's I mean, that's always contingent, Matt. You have to add good jokes to this stuff. But. Yeah. It adds, like, if you want to make the episode about, which uh, this is what the episode is about, for good or for real, it is about Homer being dissatisfied with his life and then realizing, no, he has a pretty good life. That's the growth. That's the arc. So having him fake, you know, having, uh, like, the beginning, make, having him fake being rich because he's dissatisfied with his life and wants to show the filmmaker that he's not, that's a good device for that, you know? And it, it demonstrates yeah. it very clearly. It, you could just drop it. You don't need to use it, but I don't know it. The, like at a certain point, like what do you keep then? <laughs> and we're not we're not quite there fixing this episode yet. But random ninety seconds of just mindless singing and no jokes. By the way, this is not a funny song. It's barely a song. It's like yeah, the, it just seemed kind of like uh, not. Uh, quote singing, but like almost William shattering his way through. It doesn't make any. It, that's literally how the episode ends. Marge is tiredly drinking coffee. She looks bothered and annoyed that she's there while Homer sings a song with Declan Desmond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's how the episode ends. Oh boy. Uh, we'll rank it at the end of the show. I'm uh, sorry. I assume we already knew. Robbie, is this episode broken? Yes. No, you were right the first time with that quick fix idea. 
Let's see. Quick fix. Quick fix. Ah. I was really hoping I wouldn't have to play the music, play the stinger, Matt, but <laughs> it didn't work. Uh, it's probably this one hit a little harder because we had just watched uh, the new episode from this past Sunday, which was really good. Actually, you should guys, if you haven't gone, gone seen, you should go watch it. It's a really good episode. Um, much better than this. How to fix it? Um, I think we already laid it out pretty clearly. Um, like what Matt said, like there's multiple ways you can go about it. I think it's more interesting at this point in the show. Like we're in season 18. Like what Matt, you said, I don't know, five minutes ago, just make this seven up, go whole hog with it. Yeah. Cause then you can have a little bit of background into a whole bunch of different characters. And in the background, you can kind of see, uh, you know, obviously Marge and Homer would play a large part in this. And you can kind of see the story that they they're trying to tell with Homer being dissatisfied with his life in the background rather than having it take so much focus because then it kind of feels like to people that they found the plot uh, that they weren't expecting to find kind of thing. And people really enjoy stuff like that. And it's not like you could do it the other way around when it's just the, the seven up stuff's happening around them. And it is, is, is the, is used as a device to tell us the story of Homer being dissatisfied with his life. But they've done that plot. They've done that plot with both Homer and Marge. Is that thunder, Matt? Oh my God. It is thunder. Yes. Jesus. That's really loud. Um, Florida thunderstorms. Um, but they've done that season 18, you know, we're 400 episodes into this, the show basically do something different, you know, let's, and you have this really fun conceit with the seven up series and you want to do it version, just do that with the Simpsons. And like you said, Matt, just have that story be, uh, what's the right word for it? Natural, uh, intrinsic. There's a word. There's a way there's a way okay. people describe stories like that that naturally organic occur. organic that's a good that's that's good Matt I appreciate that diction organic arise organically out of the footage out of this fake seven up I think that's more fun at this point this is again the problem is Matt like not in this case there's some like a lot of cases we see these episodes where like this you can't fix this just throw this into the ocean throw shoot it into the sun as we are wont to do but. In this case, this is a very simple plot and really easy to execute. It's really yeah, not really not really not hard to do, and yet they still completely mess it up. Um, it's not complicated. And like I met in like when I say it's important, you know, they write funny jokes. Like I'm pretty sure I could write at least a single joke that would make someone make someone laugh. Like because this episode, I didn't laugh at all. So. I can't do worse. I don't consider myself a very funny person necessarily, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I can, I can do better than I can do as well as zero laughs. (laughs) (sighs) You can too, Matt. That's how that's the, that's the beauty of starting from the nothing. You know, you can't go down. You can only go up. That's fair. I mean, especially after the last week where this is, this is up. We can move on to our next segment is time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt.nerd.obsessive. Comments News Group is when I ask our supporters on Patreon to leave their thoughts on an episode. See what people say. Eventually, my dog will stop barking. I think it's funny that you think anyone could hear that. I, I don't hear it at all. I can hear it, Matt. It'll, be picked, it might, it'll probably be picked up on my audio. I'm, I can see the little spikes. Uh, first from Tim. 
When Matt and Robbie mentioned this would be better than Little Big Girl, they were correct. Nope, they didn't say it'd be good. Springfield Up is yet another episode from the era from this era that had the kernel of a good idea, but fell apart at execution. Yes, we get revealing glimpses into the lives of relatively minor characters, such as Eleanor the Cat Lady, a disco stew, but generally it focuses on the overexposed. Worst of all is the character assassination regarding Homer. Say what you will about him, whether it be Oafish Homer or Jerk Homer, I never thought he truly aspired to be super rich. Rather, his mantra was live for today and only for today. Indeed, that is one characteristic many find endearing about him. He just lives life to enjoy it. Even Marge realized after one episode how vacuous it is trying to be rich. So overall, I project this to come in at three forty-five. That's a wow. I don't. I don't know. I. It's bad. But uh, from Benjamin, this is a classic example of everything must revolve around Homer. Did they forget about him going to space, working for a supervillain, joining the navy, the army, on and on and on? I mean, who cares if Homer is somehow unable to look at the good things in his life? I feel like I'm going full Frank Grimes here. Lenny is the one who should be sad. That song at the end should be titled "We Need to Fill Time." You are, that is, yes, this, there is absolutely yes. like, this is Homer's enemy, but without any sense of hint of irony, this is like, oh, look at Homer's life. Isn't it empty? I'm like, that's Frank. I, yeah. Like, am I losing my, am I, am I the only sane person in Springfield? Uh, from Derek, I hate Springfield up. The episode is very irritating on many levels. A particular annoyance is the damage it does to the world of the, of the Simpsons. Springfield is a cold, hostile place filled with unfriendly, apathetic, or Machiavellian residents. It allowed for the social satire the show used to excel at. This episode undoes, undoes all of that. Now, every adult in town is the same age. They all went to school together and know each other. Having everyone be friends is so trite and lame and boring. It's so much less interesting than the disconnect that used to exist among the descendants of Springfield. Who's Ned Flanders? Oh, but it's a parody of the Up documentary series. Okay, well then do it for one of the damn trilogy episodes and do a parody of a different television genre for each vignette instead of undermining the core of the show. Top of that, this parody is a laughless grating affair that is nothing for anyone's character and actively does further damage to the character of both Homer and Marge. Nutjob Homer breaks into his boss's property and holds a work college a work colleague captive. Marge not only goes along with this, but thinks it's a reasonable behavior and homages Declan Desmond instead. Awful episode. This is anti-Simpsons. Ooh, anti-Simpsons. Ooh. The anti-Simpsons. It's like a, it's like the, it's like the anti-life equation. Matt. Dark side is Simpsons is. Oh God. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, from, All right, we're the, oh, does it mean we get the Tom King series about, uh, Simpsons, uh, let's say that's, that's, Mo. That's the, the vision. The vision was about, it was a meta commentary on The Simpsons, Matt. You just got to read it carefully. Oh, there you go. Uh, from Sarah, I remember not liking this episode when I first saw it and refreshed that dislike today. If The Simpsons is going to constantly rewrite history and revisit the Marge Homer relationship endlessly, at least have some jokes. I don't think that's too much to ask for. Um, from Lauren, I think the overall concept is interesting, but this episode was bad. First part was meh, but once they got to Homer, uh, wow. Simpsons broke into a house, tied up Smithers, and kept him in a clock. How is that funny? That's horrific. And hey, let's then throw out child abuse joke. Then we are focused on the Simpsons and Homer in particular because reasons. Again, I heard Matt's voice in my head. If Homer's not on screen, you should be asking, where's Homer? Get out of my head, Matt. Why do we care about Homer and the fact that documentary or documentarian hurt his feelings? It's ridiculous. The whole premise is stupid. Plus, so all the adults are the same age? So there is Grandpa's generation, and then Homer's, and lastly, the kids? No one is between? And wow, the ending. Marge's face is a good visual of how I feel, which is bored as hell. My shock value this week would be a six, because it's so boring. I think six, re six is reasonable. Yeah. 
uh, from JJ. I'm okay with potentially being wrong this week because I didn't hate this. Maybe anything can appear good coming off the heels of Little Big Girl. Shirley rarely fails in experimental episodes, even in the post-Golden Years. And while Springfield Up is far from perfect, I think it accomplishes what it set out to do. I laughed several times at Declan deciding not to waste any more film on Lenny, Wiggum struggling to make fun of loose pants, and Marge not wanting to say chest in a movie. It is fun getting backstories from minor characters like the crazy kite lady and Disco Stew. Having the family locksmiths in a clock for three days cross the line, though. Teen characterization of Homer taints it a little. I can do without the bad song of the end, but overall I think the episode is, dare I say, watchable. I mean, that's, you know, your own personal metric, JJ. I'm not going to argue <laughs> with that. Um, I personally will never watch this episode again. It's not nearly as bad as last week, though. I think that's... Maybe if I hadn't watched our, the, again, I, uh, Lisa's Belly, which is the season 33 episode. If we hadn't watched that, maybe I wouldn't feel so negatively against that. But Lisa Spelly is... That's true. We, we saw what a good episode well, it is, yeah, and then we watched this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, finally, from Hoffa. I didn't like it. I usually don't like that retcon crap. Every adult in Springfield is the same age? Stupid. Yeah. It's That's... Uh, fair. fair. Yeah, fair. Um, thank you, everyone who leaves a review. We I appreciate you. We appreciate you. It's a lot of... It's hard work watching these terrible episodes and then actually thinking, putting thought to your words and stuff like that. Um... We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. Oh, God, that's probably a good explanation. But, however, I do want to take a break. So I will say here, favorite what, listener question of this week is what is your favorite Natalie Portman movie? Thank you, everyone who took the time to answer. Matt, take it away. All right, we will start back at the top from Matthew Leon, the professional. A great movie, and Portman was already great at that young age. Very true. Uh, from Alex, Black Swan, what an amazing performance. From Tim, I'm going to cheat and mention that the first time Natalie Portman hosted Saturday Night Live, the musical guest was itself a Simpsons reference, Fall Out Boy. It's mm, a weird name for a band, but I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. All right. Uh, wait wait a minute. Warren, you think I, Fall Out Boy what? is a weird name for a band, Matt? Okay, I think lots of band names are weird. They're okay? band That's names, Matt. The they're supposed ones. to be. It doesn't matter as long as they're distinctive. Who cares? It doesn't like the the most famous band of all time is called the Beatles. Yeah, and. And it's yeah, that's that's like they are a British pop band. Why on earth would they be called themselves the Beatles misspelled? Of course. Why does any band call themselves what they do? Exactly. Band names are weird. Yes. So they're all weird. So none of them are. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, from Lauren, I really liked her in Thor, but I wanted to pick a movie that is more focused on her, so I'm going to go with The Other Bolin Girl. Natalie Portman plays Anne Bolin, who has to gain King Henry VIII's interest after watching him chase, impregnate, and abandon her sister. Natalie plays Anne in such a way that you can tell her emotions, especially in terms of the sibling rivalry that she has with her sister, Mary. Towards the end of the movie, you can feel her fear and desperation when she is unable to conceive a boy, knowing that this will most likely lead to her death. Natalie is fabulous in this movie, and I believe this is one of the first movies I ever watched with her, and I have liked her since. Huh. Let's get that one. Uh, from Andy, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, a fun and zany movie. Oddly enough, she was in Home. It, home is where Home is Heart is, which considered existed of a teen girl giving birth to a baby while living inside a Walmart. Oh, God, that sounds terrible. Home is where the heart is, I believe is the actual title. Okay. That's what I assume, but, you know. You're allowed read to. It as written. You're allowed to. Oh, Matt. Mr. Literalist. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, from Rich, I know Black Swan is a pretty obvious answer with the Oscar and all, but I think my uh, but I think my favorite of her performance is in Closure. Closer. I prefer the original play over the movie, but she does a surprisingly good job playing a secretive mercurial stripper. Not something you'd expect from someone who generally plays characters with more poise. Also, I'm going to assume her five seconds in Endgame doesn't really count. <laughs> Very accurate. 
uh, from Hoffa. V for something, I forget. Uh, the Simpsons have made that particular word a trigger that sends me into a zombie coma for 24 seasons. There you go. I believe it. It's uh, Vendetta. V for Vendetta. 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 Of course. Of course. All right. Uh, from our good friend, a uh, friend of the pod, the Andrew blog. Uh, I'm going to cheat a bit and say, Paris, I love you. It's an anthology film. I know how much Simpsons, fan loves, Simpsons fans love anthologies and Portman's only in one segment, but she's quite good in it and the whole movie is worth watching. Uh, from Matt L. Columbia 88, as I love the Thor movies more for Tom Hiddleston than her, my answer is Mars Attacks. I didn't even know she was in Mars Attacks. What? Uh, from Matt, what? what? Yeah. Mar- you should watch Mars Attacks, man. I, it's been a long time. I will watch it again. I'm sure it holds up. Uh, from at JPX 9003, Black Swan is perhaps her best performance. I actually prefer it to Satoshi Kon's Perfect Blue, as I think that movie is a bit of a muddled mess, especially by the end. The ending of Black Swan is truly powerful, IMO. I would also add No Strings Attached, which is actually quite good. It truly is elevated by Natalie Portman, who portrays cold and closed off pretty well, and she has good chemistry with Ashton Kutcher. It's actually an interesting double feature to watch along with Friends with Benefits. Very, very true. Uh, from at John Fane 2, Attack of the Clones. Kidding, that sucks. Throw the Dark World. Kidding, that somehow sucks worse. So I will say V for Vendetta. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Uh, from Matt Hardware 04, Heat. She's in Heat? She is in did Heat. We watch Heat? Did, did we watch Heat? Really Who's we? Who's, you got a mouse in your pocket? No, I thought we watched it for the podcast. We didn't know. We've never, we have never okay. watched Heat, Matt. All right. Fine, fine, fine. Uh, from Matt, yes, it's Aaron. Mars Attacks. Just silly and lighthearted, which made it much better than Independence Day, which took itself way too seriously. I mean, it's an action blockbuster. Most of them took themselves way too seriously until Marvel got involved. Uh, from at Brian J. Field, the wildly problematic Leon or Garden State. Uh, from at Hippie 200, I would probably go with Black Swan if it wasn't for all the absolutely disgusting parts of her ripping her skin off or her bones and joints crackling loudly. Uh, but since those scenes ruined the film for me, I'm going to go with Jackie. Portman does a fantastic job in that film. Oh, yeah, I saw Jackie. Hmm. <laughs> I forgot she was oh, in that. <laughs> I saw a movie where she's the main character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it didn't make much of an impression on me. Sorry. Uh, from Matt Jarhead Kuntz, Black Swan. It ripped off Satoshi Kon a lot, but it did it well, and it's her best individual performance, in my humble opinion. Robbie, what is your answer? Um, my favorite movie that she's in is Leon. So that's my answer, I think. Now, ultimately, I, Black, she's better in Black Swan, but I like Leon better. That's that's my my couched answer is her best performance. I still think is Black Swan, even how it's it's an Aronofsky movie. Of course, it's ripping things off, Uh, but I like Leon better, and she was great as a child actress. Like that's there's not I usually hate child actors, uh, and she's really good uh, at such a young age. So that's my answer, Matt. What is your answer? I'm gonna have to go with uh, Leon as well. I believe it is. it's just a good movie overall. I've never seen Black Swan. I know I should. Uh, and people have actually said that her performance in Annihilation is good. All of the movie itself is not. Um, I would also like to call out her recent um, uh, voice work uh, in the Marvel What If series as uh, as uh, oh God, what is her character's name? Really? Uh, really? Yes. Jane Foster? Sorry. We can't remember the Jane Foster, I, Matt? Come on. No, no. I remember it now. For some reason, Darcy's name was in my head. Um shameful shameful nerd you are i know i know i know uh and we're gonna see a lot of her as uh jane in uh thor 4 so i'm very much looking forward to that i i want her to have more screen time as jane foster i assume that she'll have a lot more screen time because she's 
freaking Thor in that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wasn't sure if we were spoiling that yet. It, that's it's. She literally held up the hammer when they announced it. I don't think it's it's not a, like it's All not right, a big okay. it's not a trick or anything. I think I do think that they won't have her. I have a feeling that they're going to cast someone else to be the be Thor. Thor. Like she'll have it. She, she puts the helmet on, picks up the hammer, and it's going to be a different actress, perhaps with her voice. Because I mean, maybe she'll just. I mean, they'll probably give her a bunch of HGH, and she'll have muscles. Uh, <laughs> just like every, they do with every actor. Poor, yeah, like Kumail Nanjiani, who's suddenly like a big old muscle man for the Eternals. Uh, I was, I was, uh, I was explaining to my wife. I was like, yes. Uh, he did a lot of, he worked out a lot, but working out a lot doesn't change your jawline. Sorry. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, hey, he had steroids and HGH. That's what happened when, when you do that for a year and a half. Um, as long as he's happy, that's all that matters. Uh, next week's question, what is your favorite documentary? Ooh, that's going to be a tough one. That's, there's so many. There's so many documentaries. There's no wrong answers. Uh, I'll post this question on social media. Uh, at on Twitter at Simpsons Show Pod, you can email us at Simpsons Show Pod at gmail.com and uh, you can find it on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash the Simpsons Show. All those places I post the questions. We can move on to our next segment. It's time for the new Google Trivia Challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S M A R R T. The no Google Trivia Challenge is where Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions one easy, one medium. And one hard and try and stump. The other Matt has uh, like a 3,000 point lead on me so far this season. I don't think it's that bad. It's eight, which might, it feels like 3,000. Um, Springfield up is this week's episode. Uh, Matt, give me an easy question. All right, sir. Your easy question. Uh, this come from somehow an even worse episode. Who gets one of Homer's kidneys in Homer Simpson in kidney trouble? Uh, Grandpa. You are correct. Abe Simpson. Abraham J. Simpson. Uh, your questions are from Fat Man and Little Boy. Oh, God. Everyone's favorite episode. Okay. What toy retailer sells Bart's shirts in his stores? Uh, I believe it'd be Goose Gladwell. Uh, I think you mean Goose Gladwell. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, your question, who is the guest on Inside the Actor's Studio that Homer wants to get home to see? Oh, God. Uh, Gary Oldman. Ooh, I'm sorry. It is F. Murray Abraham. Abraham. Oh, old, uh, old Salieri himself. Um, well, okay. I shouldn't know that one. That. Well, your medium question. What is the acronym Martin uses for his science project, and what does it stand for? Oh, that I, I was a stand for. Um, okay, it is chum. It is. Oh, God. I know three of the letters. I mean, you know all four of the letters. You don't know what they stand for. Uh, yeah. Childlike hu- humanoid urban muchacho. I. What is this, Matt? What are, what are you no, doing? No, is that right? <laughs> I guessed on the H. I knew, remembered urban muchacho for some reason. I, I give up on this. This is ridiculous. This is unfair. I give. This is like. This is cheating. You're cheating by being you. <laughs> I swear. I swear. I'm. Not. You're cheating. You're a cheater because you. It's not Ur- fair. Like you're not human. Muchacho. You're not human. This isn't real. Like this can't be. Like this is like Sergeant Fatso Judson all over again. Like what is this? <laughs> Fat man, little boy, you remember Chum, and you remember Chop. I like. I didn't even remember that's in that episode until I looked it up, and then I find, and then you, I, I, 
it just stuck in my head. What's wrong with you? Urban muchacho. You, I'm like, what is Oh, that? yeah. Band names are so weird, but I also remember chum and what it stands for. Okay. You, you cyborg man. Uh-huh. Give me my hard question. Okay. I'm sure I'll get it right. Your hard question. What is the name of the ship that Homer tries to leave on? The ship of Lost Souls. The name that is on the ship. Written on the ship. Uh... uh, uh Sugar bunch honey, sugar sugar, sugar bunch honey pop. I don't remember. I don't know, Matt. I have no idea. You're so close. I I'm gonna have to give you a point. It is honey bunch. If you had just said sugar plum honey bunch from the actual song, I would have given you all three. But I'll give you at least a point for getting that close. Oh, what's wrong with the kittens? They knocked my alarm clock off. Those those horrible cute monsters. All right, your hard question, Matt. What slogan is on Bart's first T-shirt? Oh, uh, it's not down with homework. It's a different episode. <laughs> it's a different episode. Oh, God. I don't remember. I'm going with underachiever and proud of it, but I know that's not it. Adults suck. Then you are one. Yes, that's. Oh, that's God. the very first. Okay. 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 Well, Matt only has a nine point lead on me now. I have 19 mm-hmm. points. That's truly pathetic on my part. I don't even have I don't even 20 points yet. We're halfway through. We're halfway through the season. I don't even have 20 points. Sorry, Robbie. You know, you're allowed to ask me like layups once in a while, Matt. You know, just to give me. Six I mean, points. I, I, I thought F. Murray Abraham was no, like. No, 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 Matt. Okay. One. Okay. Let's get this straight. You need to, you need to lower your expectations. All right. <laughs> It's what I tell my wife. It's what I'm going to tell you. You, uh-huh. I need, you need to lower your expectations. Isn't the name of a dating service? That's a Mad TV fake dating show. Uh, oh. The, the, the tapes. It was called Lowered Expectations. Mm-hmm. Old Mad that TV. Um, that's, so yeah, Matt has a nine-point lead on me. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. Could He could not do that. That'd be great. You hear me? Hear that, Matt? That's what I'm talking to you when I say that. I say, you could not do that anymore. No? Okay, cool. Uh, we can move on to our final segment. The segment we end every single episode with. It's time for Best Episode Ever. Best Episode Ever. Best Episode Ever is a part show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically as we watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. This is going to be a tough one because it's not, like, awful, but it's it's still pretty bad. It is bad. Um, I'm going to, I'm not afraid to use the word bad. It is bad. It is kind of blandly bad. It is not as bad as a lot of these. I I think we have a, a category of those, like in the, like the almost near 300, like, uh, let's see the old man in the key, blandly stupid and not worth watching. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good area. I think you're right, Matt. Um, You got jazzing the pussycats. That one that broke your brain about Bart's ability to play drums. Hey, man, I got we got we got if people sent in messages that agreed with me. OK, and made me feel a little bit better. Other musicians, you're I met. That's the thing. You're a musician. You should recognize how complicated musician music is. And Robbie, I didn't disagree with you. I just said there were so many worse things in that episode that that's a weird thing to get stuck on. All right. Okay. Well, let's we'll, we'll, let's get one string straight. I was stuck on a lot of things. OK, I just happened to mention <laughs> that one in particular. Okay, uh-huh. I'm a, I'm a I am an, I am a uh, I contain multitudes of complaints. All right, just that's just one of the sticking points I had with that episode. Um, 
Where are you? What, where, where's Jazzy and the Pussycats? What number is that? Oh, that's way down there. That's uh, 330, 320. Oh, I'm not that far down. 32, yeah. Um, okay. Um, I mean, there's Barding Over if you want to get bring Tony Hawk into it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Fat I, and the Furious. This is better. Bear armor. This is better. I laughed at Fat and the Furious. Uh, so this is better than that. I think this is better than Helter Shelter. Mm-hmm. Um... The Wife Aquatic. The hell? We just watched it. I've already forgotten. Yeah, I was trying to. I'm like, that's not Bonfire of the Manatees. It's something stupider somehow. <laughs> no, it's not as. It's not as. It's not as stupid as Bonfire of the Manatees. Bonfire of the Manatees is. I hate. I hate it. Um, Wife. No, Wife Aquatic is the yum yum fish. Oh man, that was real dumb and pointless. It was real. It was pretty dumb. Um, it had some redeeming moments. This has, I don't know, Springfield up. I, I, it's so boring. It's hard to like pick. I think this is a good area for it, though. I would say it's, it's better than the Wife Aquatic. Maybe, maybe it's not. I think it's better than Helter Shelter. Right. I think Italian. I say Italian Bob's better. I think Italian Bob's better just because Bob's in it. I would agree the that the presence yeah. of Bob alone is enough to put it over this, um, <laughs> which isn't much, but it's something. My mother, the carjacker, barding over the wife aquatic. I'm not sure about any of these. Um, what's barding over? Which one is that, Matt? Why can't I remember? That's the one where uh, Baby Stink Breath and Bart sues oh, to be emancipated and okay. meets Tony Hawk. That's. I would say that's better than this. Not by much, but yeah, a little bit. Not by much, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, is it better or worse than The Wife Aquatic? I would say this is better because this is still slightly more enjoyable to watch, even if it is all over the place. I'm not so sure. I mean, okay, The Wife Aquatic, The Yum Yum Fish, uh, mm-hmm. Marge is the, Sad, the, the perfect They Go storm, to the Island, The Perfect Storm, the perfect parody, storm and Fisherman's. Uh, oh, and in the end, they decide to cut out all the trees, and this tiny little island is going to bring them back to prosperity. Um Oh, yeah, the, the you're, you're right, man. This one's better than the Wife Aquatic. <laughs> you're right. This makes more sense than that. Right. I think it's wife, sad that it does, but it does. Wife Aquatic has like I rem- it's that the home movie footage of Marge and and Patty and Selma that I go like, oh, that's something, you know. There's but there are moments in this. I'm I'm fairly negative about this, but there are moments where I go, oh, that's something, you know. Some of the there's. Some of that, it's like, I think it's just as a premise as a whole, it, it feels so weirdly half-baked. It's very hard to latch on to any of it, but it is better than The Life Aquatic. The Life Aquatic just does so, so much nonsense. Okay, that's Springfield up. That's right below Barting Over, right above The Life Aquatic, and new number 319 on our list. Firmly in Bad and Bland... But nothing special about its badness. Just color code these so we when we know where the sections are. We're like, all right, where's the actually offensive one? The next fifty or so are bad and bland. <laughs> we'll get there, Matt. Uh, we'll have to codify it at one point. It's when we are. It's when we write the book. When we have, when we finally yeah, when we, we finally go. finish the podcast, if the Simpsons ever stop making episodes and we write the book, uh, then we'll, we'll just co- do like we'll... that one book series I kept adding on. Like, oh, we got the first eight seasons. Now here are the next three. Now here are the next six. <laughs> I mean, I, we would probably release them in the seasons that, in the way we would codify the the like. It would probably be like, oh, the golden years, and up to, and then you know, you do 
the denouement and the scully years then you do the, like the first five al gene years pre-movie and then you do a post-movie yeah. section you know disney acquisition all kinds good of good idea some of those books will be much larger than the others Yes, that's the first one. the The Golden Years episode will, or Golden Years book will be thousands of pages. <laughs> the Scully Years will just be another thousand pages of us ranting. I'm I'm a I'm a now a a a, a veteran of self publishing, Matt. It wouldn't be that hard to do. We could it would relatively no. easy. Uh, so now it's number three nineteen on our list. Springfield up. We have uh, one more question to answer before we go, and that question is: Do we shoot this episode out of the cannon? Um, is there anything of value? Not that I can think of. I mean, there's a time machine. All right, fire the cannon. You cemented it, Matt. You, you, uh-huh. you mentioned the words time machine. I went, okay, goodbye. Time machine that Carl steals and we never hear from him again. He appears one time in the background and then bounces away. So what did he do with Time Machine? I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. He's just gone forever. So stupid. Um, so that's no goodbye. Goodbye, Springfield Up. You're not a part of the canon. Uh, we are now uh, answering uh, from the working our way down from the top of the list until we get every single question either in or out of the canon. Uh, we are number 72, which is King of the Hill, which is the Mountain Climber episode. Which is higher than I would have guessed uh, when I would think about this episode again. Uh, but yes, obviously, it's a great episode. It's Homer actually striving to do things. I mean, there is the part where he rides a, a frozen man down a mountainside. But, you know, the human body can pull off all kinds of fun things. Hey, man, that guy's been frozen for like 70 years. He's as stiff as a board. That, that's perfectly uh-huh. fine by my part. It's, just, it's really stupid, but it's a really fun visual. And Homer, yeah. and to be fair, the, like I don't mind even a fairly significant amount of cartoonishness if the episode deserves it if the episode has earned it right. by having homer homer's in real mortal peril that's the whole episode is about homer getting strong and then realizing it does not matter he is still in mortal peril from climbing this really dangerous mountain and then it's oh it relieves tension too when when it when you see him going down the mountain the sled like oh and then in, let's reveal if it's the body like it, it it's clever it works but yeah it's part of the canon it's great it's also Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser's in that one love Brendan Fraser the, he's yeah. just, he's just cast as a Firefly in the new Batgirl movie should oh no fun. way cool that should be fun um. That is uh, King of the Hill, number 72. Yes, it's part of the canon. Um, you can find this list on our website, simpsonsshow.com. It has links to everything there. Uh, everything we do online is on that website if you need. And links to every episode. If you ever have, guys, if you ever have a problem listening to an episode, just steer your phone's browser over to our website, and you can listen to episodes right there or download the files. I know it's not as easy as a pod, as Spotify, but it will always be there, and it has every episode. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I invested in a website because I like having that there. Uh, our next episode, Matt. I don't like. The, I don't like. I don't like the way this. Okay, yokel chords. Oh dear. Oh dear. What? Oh, I don't like where this is going. Stars Meg Ryan, Peter Bogdan- Bogdanovich, and Andy Dick, and James Patterson, and Stephen Sondheim. What? What in the world? 
I'm looking at the plot summary for this, and it's so long. <laughs> There's a lot of things happening. Cletus is involved. Oh, that's right. Uh, this is the one where Cletus's kids become... Uh, it's either an acting troupe or a singing group. No-collar comedy tour? That's what it is, yeah. Uh, I don't like... That's next time. I don't want to like the Andy Dicks in it. Can we not? I don't want Andy Dick in my life in any capacity. Get him out of here. That's what I say. It is the return of Susie Dieter, who directed a lot of great episodes of The Simpsons. Unfortunately, Susie Dieter is not writing the episode. So yeah, I mean, I believe there is a looking at the plot summary. There's a decent subplot with Bart going to a child psychiatrist. So we'll see how this turns out. I'm not. I'm not. Too, I'm not too optimistic, man. No, no. We can never afford to be optimistic when it comes to. The also, Simpsons. this Wikipedia page requires. It says it requires cleanup. The specific problem: the plot is too big and contains massive detail. Yeah. So the the your criticism applies. Uh, that's next time, guys. Yokel chords. You can watch along with us if you want. Join our Patreon. You can leave your review. Join the cavalcade of calamity, the parade of pain. Um, that'll do it for us. You can find me online at Robbie Dorman on Twitter, and my website is RobbieDorman.com. Includes links to all the things I do online, uh, and links to purchase my newest novel, uh, What Dwells Beneath the Waves. It is hopefully up for pre-order in all forms by the time you're hearing this. I'm still waiting for Amazon to do their thing. Uh, hopefully it will work out. Other, it was, the link will still be there regardless. You might we'll get it. But uh, yeah, you probably heard, hopefully... If you didn't hear a big old long trailer before this episode, then it's not ready. But otherwise, you can still go check it out. Um, There's a Carl Heisen meets H.P. Lovecraft uh, about an investigation into mysterious disappearances in the Florida Keys, uh, uncovering a plot to awaken a great beast that lurks below. It's my Lovecraft novel. It's my Eldritch Horror novel. Florida Man is a Cultist. You should go check it out. Go pre-order it. I appreciate you. I love you forever if you pre-order my book. Uh, Matt does not participate in social media. You will not find him. Uh, that is true. I spend all my time, as Robbie alluded to in recording this, taking care of kittens because they are adorable and also incredibly messy. And you can see said adorable kittens in their clean state, I will emphasize, at Kitten Turns, K-I-T-T-I-N-T-E-R-N-S. Uh, on Instagram, you can see them in their adorable little ties before they tore them off and proceeded to poop everywhere. That That'll do it. I am Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching The Simpsons. Shh.